BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. It's episode 105. I got Chris here, no Uriah, but we have one of our other contributors on tonight, Philadelphia native himself, Sheldon Washington. Sheldon, man, glad to finally get you on the show, man. Excited. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk basketball, man. It's my- I'm a lifelong Sixers fan, so so let's get it going. I'm excited. We're really happy to have you on. Uh, you've probably had some of the most interacted with pieces, <laughs> I would say, on our site of late. <laughs> yeah. um, if anyone listening has been an avid follower of the website, you've probably read Sheldon's letters to Ben Simmons, which were, were a pretty big deal when they came out. Um, and we're really excited to get your take on, on Ben, who we're going to talk about plenty and some other stuff around the team. Okay. All right. Let's do it. So recently there was a golf tournament of sorts in which Seth was, was present with his brother, Steph, and they were doing some, you know, media availability guys asking questions. And Seth Curry was asked about, you know, Ben, does he want to play with Ben in the future? Stuff like that. Pretty basic stuff. And he said, quote, I love playing with Ben. He's still a great player. He obviously had a rough playoffs. But I look forward to playing with him again. Sheldon, we'll go to you first. What do you make of Seth's public support of Ben? This obviously isn't the first person around the organization to to voice support for Ben. Danny Green, to some extent, has, has voiced some support. Doc right. Rivers has as well. So, so what are your thoughts on that? Seth did what any teammate should do when... Um... When they're when when another teammate is, is being berated by the media or be, being scrutinized in the way that Ben has been has been scrutinized, so he did what he was supposed to do. It, it was the politically correct answer to to say not to throw him under the bus. Um, but but honestly, I I really think it was just a, a way to save face because I I honestly think that a lot of players inwardly may be feeling the same way that a lot of the critics may be feeling that. Ben really cost them a chance to be in these NBA finals. He, he probably will never say that, but, you know, it was the politically correct answer. So I'm not shocked that he said it. The Currys are, are they're they, they are a well-spoken, <laughs> well-spoken group from the father to Seth to, to Steph to, to Seth. So, you know, I, I come to expect that from them. But I personally think inwardly, I don't think he's really feeling that way. I really think that he may be feeling what a lot of the critics are feeling that Ben cost him. So you make some good points. And you know what? I, I, I'm going to disagree with you in the fact that I think Seth is being genuine here because let's be real. Seth has, has had his best years when he's with a dynamic playmaker. It was with Luca before. Now it's Ben. Say all you want about Ben's offensive woes. He still gets Seth 
a lot of touches. Probably his best career, season of his career, this and last year when he played with Luca and Ben, two guys that could average. I'm sorry. I say you are right about that. You're right. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I think, he, and unlike Luca, Ben's not looking to score, so there's even more touches for Seth. So I, I, that's, I think he's being genuine in the fact that he loves playing with Ben. And, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he wouldn't want to play with Ben again, but I think you are right on the fact that it is what players are supposed to say. Right, yeah. I mean, we don't want to, I mean, Joel kind of threw him under the bus. We've talked about that before on previous podcasts a little bit. But, I mean... For the most part, and I mean, even Danny Green, I, I don't know if you would say Danny Green criticized him, but he did point out a flaw in Ben's mental makeup when he was talking about how he needs to be extra motivated. If you don't call him out, he's not going to do it type thing. Yeah, um, and and I, you know, not to cut you off, but that mm-hmm. I have, I've no, that that is very relatable because sometimes I can be in that in that space, whereas if if I'm not asked to really do it, you know, I wouldn't do it. But, you know, it, it's more heightened for Ben's for Ben's um, um, point of view because the immense talent that people see. And I think that's the reason why it's so much criticism. This guy can be a top three player in this league right now. And, and, it's, and it's like he's choosing to be, you know, mediocre. And that's the problem. Well, I, I wouldn't call him mediocre, but he could be a superstar and he's choosing just to be an all-star. I think that's what you're trying to say, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I I agree with both of you, Sheldon. I, I think that's a good point because me too. Like, I I totally get the mindset of being like, if you're not a good shooter, you probably don't want to shoot because it can be embarrassing to make it look bad. I understand kind of wanting to stay within yourself and, and needing extra motivation to, you know, go above and beyond. but obviously with Ben he's going to be under more scrutiny than I am I'm at the pickup gym by myself right so, right <laughs> you know a former number one pick a guy obviously a lot of people compared him to LeBron in magic and set the bar really high and he, he just pretty clearly isn't going to reach that bar at this point yeah but, yeah and when I say mediocre I don't mean mediocre like he's just horrible mediocre in the context of the standard that is set for him to be That's just fair. an all-star to be just an all-star when you could be a superstar, to me, that's mediocre. You can get there, and it's pretty – there's no one in the league with a skill set like Ben Simmons other than LeBron. There's no one else in the league like him. He's he's a unicorn. You can be – he can set another standard for uh, for the next set of uh, – next generation of players. That's how immense his talent is. So yeah. it's not mediocre and, like, he's horrible, but mediocre in the sense of – you're just an all-star that's great, but we see more. And I think that's why the critics are just hounding him in the way that they are. So Seth did a, did did the did the right thing by explain by saying what he said. And you and, and you're and you're right. He he could have been genuine. I don't put it past him. I do think in the back of their minds, though, I do think, man, if if, if his offense was more was better. We could be in this position playing the Suns rather than Milwaukee. Breaking news, Sixers fans. This public service announcement is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. Their advanced ceramic blade and skin safe technology is so good that it almost seems as if Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure that your family jewels are as safe as possible. What makes this trimmer so different than other trimmers? First, a new multi-function on-off switch can engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel. Next, the optimized Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof, so you can groom in the shower and not have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor. Did I mention charging? The Lawnmower 4.0's new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. And now, back to the podcast. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, even going back to the Atlanta series, even if his skill set isn't better, just his mentality. He he had Danilo Gallinari on him for quite a few of those possessions in fourth quarters. The, the matchup was extremely favorable. If he was just more aggressive, right, took advantage of his speed and size like he's able to, even if he doesn't have a jumper, if he just gets to the cup and isn't scared of the free throw line and taking contact, the Sixers win that series, and they maybe are, as you mentioned, in the NBA Finals right now because Milwaukee is not some unbeatable super team. Right, right. So, yeah, he, he's certainly mediocre within the context of what he can provide and what he has the potential to provide. I, I agree. Exactly. Um, yeah, and just going back to Seth to, to close this out, I, again, you're right. It, it's politically correct. It, it's what every player is going to say. No one's going to come out and say, you know, Ben... I don't want to play with Ben anymore. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, <laughs> right. No one's going to say that. You're not going to get that out of anyone, but. Maybe Joel. Maybe, maybe, maybe Joel. I don't know. And Joel, honestly, Joel didn't want to do it. Just in the way he said it. He said, mm-hmm. I don't want to say this, but I think we lost it when he passed the ball under yeah. the. I mean, I will say about that Joel quote. Like, like about the Joel quote. It's not just him throwing Ben under the bus. Like, the next sentence after the one that everyone is quoting is him saying, then I came down the floor and turned it over, and that's on me. So he, he was totally taking responsibility himself, too. I, I don't think that was quite as, as like, blatant an attack on Ben as people are making it out to be. I think that was much more, it was like, we as a team lost it, and it's on me, and it's on everyone else. I, I don't think that was just him, like, dogging Ben. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do think the full context is, is pretty important there. Yeah, speaking speaking of uh, full context, um, Anthony Mackey at the ESPYs really Mackie. dropped a bad joke <laughs> on uh, Ben Simmons. He was talking about, you know, building homes for, you know, homeless, and he was saying how all the bricks that Ben Simmons shot during the playoffs were used to build those homes, so they wanted to say thank you, and they, he had these two little girls on the side saying, thank you, Ben Simmons. Right. So, <laughs> yes, Sheldon, do you yeah. think this uh, ridicule of that Ben Simmons is getting is out of hand, and do you think he really deserves all this negative attention? Well, one, the, the ESPYs are... are, are historically they've done this so mm-hmm. it's not in it's not in their in their position to not do this they they've been they take cracks at people all the time so i'm not shocked at it um but does ben deserve the criticism yeah honestly i mean i mean in the they can lay off a little bit you know but honestly sports is the biggest what have you done for me lately type of business your own your worth is based off of what you do. And if the last time we saw you, you didn't want to take a shot under the rim, kind of hard to sit here and say, hey, don't poke, don't, don't pick on me. The only way you can fix it is that you gotta come back this coming season, work your butt off in the gym, and come back and prove to everybody what you saw from me these last few years and this past playoffs is is not me. This is the real me. Ben has to answer this on the floor. He can't answer it any other way. And he's mm. he's made this bed. Unfortunately, it may be a little maybe a little out of control with how he uh how the media is just coming at him. But he made this bed. It's, it's really it's is on him. Only he can change it. He is who he is. It is what it is. That's right. what he said. <laughs> and, and and to go off of your point, I think you're absolutely right. And I'll take it a step further. He not only has to prove it during the regular season, it more importantly, he has to prove it next postseason. Right. Whether he's on the Sixers or not. Because right now, he's offensively a worse value player than Draymond Green is in the playoffs offensively. And you are absolutely right. That The only difference is... Draymond knows that, and he caters to his strengths, and, and and he's willing to still at least try. Yeah, yeah, he's willing. If you give him an open three, Draymond will take it, even if he misses. He will take them. Mm-hmm. But it 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 would feel better to us as Sixers fans, even if you miss, make us say no, Ben, don't shoot. Yes, don't make us say yes, Ben, shoot. <laughs> it, it's it's. It's better if some you know someone 
mm-hmm. won't make it, but they're still willing to take the shot. They're not afraid. You know, I actually kind of played with somebody like that in high school. Now that you mentioned about it, his name was Nick Clark. Shout out, Nick. You probably will never <laughs> listen to this, but that's okay. He was super athletic, six one. He was a string bean, but you know, he 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 could jump. Right. And he he could have been one of the top two or three players on our team, but mentally he just wasn't checked in and he just never put in the effort that he needed to. Cause he was, he was a bench player. Like I was like, we were both, um, you know, we both came off the bench, uh, getting minutes and that type of stuff. But, you know, he could have been a starter if he really applied himself, but he just, it wasn't there for him. So, and he never tried. And you know that people say Markel Fultz had the yips. No, Markel Fultz was injured. It's been documented. He was injured, but at least he tried. Mm-hmm. Ben has the yips. Yes. He has the yes. he has the yips. He needs, and I said this before. He needs to go see a sports psychiatrist. That's what he needs to see. Because right. right now, it's it's not good, man. It's really not good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, look, I mean, is it out of hand in the sense that there are other things we can talk about that people are pretty much just glossing over? Yeah, like, Ben was not the only reason the Sixers lost that series. We've sort of had the Doc Rivers conversation on this show. Other players underperformed the bench, you know, the the roster was not as well built as it could have been or needed to be. But at the end of the day, and there is a credible argument that if Ben was 50% of what he is supposed to be they win that series so it's hard to say like like you said children it's it's really kind of hard to blame people for kind of getting upset about it and going after them uh the anthony mackie thing like it, it's not even a good joke like, I, <laughs> I agree like the sbs they, they do this all the time yeah most of the time yeah. it's much more successful like this is kind of you they know they got paid manning good really okay. one year and i can't remember the joke now yeah, like they've had Peyton Manning going after Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, whoever. They hadn't gone after Kevin Durant, and that was Durant. The year that Durant won his first title. So, yeah, 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 they're 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 good for it. They're good for that. So I don't even pay attention to the SBs anymore when they make these little slapstick jokes because you know it's coming. Mm-hmm. But you know, but in in Ben's case, like I said, the only way he can change it, he got to change it on the court in the regular season and the playoffs. That's all. That's that. That's the only way you're gonna change it. Mm-hmm. So, sh- Sheldon. Side note, though, I, I'm curious because it's not on our agenda, but I do want your opinion because you do. You, you're in the city, which can't be said about me and Chris. Well, you grew up in the city, mm-hmm. least, so you know the fan base better than me and Chris. Um, how much do you think the fans blame Doc Rivers in the city, and how much do you blame Doc Rivers for the failure? Because I know I'm not. A, I'm not blaming Doc as much as Chris is. I know Chris is. Chris was not a fan of the Doc Rivers hiring, but I was. So what what are your thoughts? Do you think Doc should shoulder a majority, a big portion of the blame or a small portion? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He has to shoulder a big portion of the blame because he was the one that set in motion that we're not going to worry about you telling Ben we're not going to worry about you scoring. Mm. So you set the precedent for that. And knowing the fan base that I that 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 uh, is Philadelphia now, now, let me just say this. I'm going off of how I like to say old Philadelphia operated. Old Philadelphia was the ones that 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 you know booed Destiny's Child in the in the finals. Um, <laughs> they booed Kobe Bryant at the All Star game. I come from that. So, mm-hmm. but we still have the same type of broadcasters and and and, and um and um sportscasters in the city, and I and they're not happy with with Doc. They're not happy with that. They're not happy with that at all. Um, they're I, I I'm assured that they're not happy with the way he um the the way he coached in that series. A lot of people think that Nate McMillan outcoached Doc Rivers because he, I I think that's fair to did. say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He did. He I made, don't think I don't think this fair this fairgy was that big, but I you know I I will agree that he did outcoach him. But to be fair, Nate McMillan. Just earned himself a huge contract, and he he made a big leap this postseason, man. Yes, yes, him and Trey Young are magic. They're gonna make a lot of long runs together, and I'm excited to see that for Atlanta fans. Yeah, uh, sad that it came to the, at the Sixers, at, you know, expense. But 
Nate McMillan, I always I liked him back when he was in Portland. I thought Indiana screwed up by letting him go, and clearly that was the case. Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, gosh, that dumpster fire. Um, yeah. Now they yeah. want now they want Ben for Malcolm Brogdon in a first. That's that's not happening. We talked right. about that last podcast. <laughs> um, but no. So let's let's. So I guess is he really? Get, we kind of talked about it, but. Let's, let me ask you one more question regarding this, though, Sheldon. Um, yeah. Do you think that this, all this criticism and public humiliation will finally motivate Ben to become a better shooter? Or do you think he's going to even, like, you know how those, there are certain people that, like, will hold fast just to prove that they're not wrong? Like, double yeah. down on it? Yeah. Do you yeah. think he's going to double down, or do you think he's going to finally make improvements? I think... You know what? Ben's personality, from what I see, is that he doubled down on how on his game for a while. Honestly, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, uh, from Kobe, from Kobe, um, saying in an interview that Ben could be as good as he wants to be, and Ben just kind of took it like, well, yeah, you know, I'm 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 working on it, and and you know, I do what I do, and and nothing changed. So. Some people with that type of personality, they got to hit rock bottom and really like look at themselves before they realize like, okay, I can't look to the left or to the right. I got to look within. And Ben has to look within now. And I do think that this may help him do it. May. I I don't know if this is rock bottom yet, though, man. I don't know. Rock bottom would be be trading to, like, a really bad team, like, say, the Timberwolves or something. uh, Right. Um, (laughs) We talked about it. It could be, but Philadelphia Philadelphia is so unforgiving with their sports teams. He may have hit rock. This might be rock bottom, knowing knowing, knowing this fan base the way I know it. This may be rock bottom yeah. because they're not going to let up. Oh, my goodness. When when the 2021-22 the, the season starts and they have home games, they're not going to let him forget. They're not going to let him forget this. They're, so you think, they, you think they're going to boo him every oh, game, all game? The moment he doesn't shoot a shot, it's coming. It's, it's coming. We don't forget. We do not forget. Why do you think Donovan McNabb came to show his face in Philadelphia? We don't forget. Man, I, I feel like Donovan, <laughs> side note, I feel like Donovan McNabb was treated unfairly in Philadelphia. He was. He was. He was. I I, I, I can't lie about that. But Okay. Because, like, but yeah, go yeah. ahead. No, I was just going to, no, it's football stuff. We don't need to talk football. Keep on Right, going. right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, I agree, Sheldon. Like, the fan, I think this is pretty much as close to rock bottom as he's going to get. Like, the fan base pretty much hates his guts right now. He just embarrassed himself on national television, like, four games in a row on a playoff stage. He's in every trade rumor imaginable. People are crapping on him for going to Wimbledon with his girlfriend. Like, it's probably not going to get much tougher than this. I I can't. If anything is going to make him reflect and look inward, as you said, it's got to be this. It has to be. And you know what? And you know what's similar? You know that I'm, I'm making this comparison. LeBron in 2011, the way the media oh, yes. destroyed him over those fourth quarters, over those four straight fourth quarters where he just he just disappeared, mm-hmm. that was LeBron's rock bottom. And you saw it what was. happened. He came back 2012, and then he went on that, that just ridiculous eight straight finals runs from that point on. So that was his rock bottom, and it made him realize – I got to put the work in. I got to change mentally. In regards to Ben, and Chris has said this, and I kind of agree. We don't need him to take three-pointers. I mean, it would be nice if he took mid-range jumpers, but what we really just need to see from him is to be aggressive, go into the free throw line six to eight times a game, hitting 60 to 70% of them. I think that would make the fan base not happy, but content. I, I, I think that would make... I think that would help start healing some of those wounds. What do you think? If he does that, then then I think it will slowly start to come back for him. Because even though we're very, and it sounds so oxymoronic, but <laughs> we we are unforgiving as a fan base. But when people show improvement, you can get back in our good graces. Mm-hmm. And, and, and fairly easy. 
fair. Because Philly's a blue collar town. You put right. in the work, you're going to get reward. You know, you get recognized. And if Ben puts in the work. Right. Great example of that is Tobias, who a yeah. year ago was, you know, public enemy number one. And now everyone pretty much loves him. Like he's borderline fan favorite after last season. He, he and, and he had a good playoffs. Away. He had a, he had a great playoffs. I mean, he had what one bad game scoring the ball and one bad game shooting, per, you know, field goal percentage wise. But otherwise, he was. I mean, he didn't live up to his contract. He's never going to. But he's as good as a third wheel as you could have asked for. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that's a great point, Chris. And I, I think I think it's time for us to uh, move on. Yeah, so recently MB, um, ESPN pardon me, released its ranking of the 10 best individual performances from this past NBA season, or the 8 best, pardon me, and Joel Embiid showed up twice on that list. The only player to do so, he showed up at number 1 and number 8. Number 1 was his 50-point, 17-rebound, Four block game against Chicago in February, and then number eight was his forty-five point sixteen rebound five steal game against Miami in January. Sheldon, which performance is most impressive to you? Most impressive to me is of course Embiid's fifty and seventeen. I mean that's just a ri- a ridiculous stat line, and and uh, I mean of course against Chicago, anybody should be carving Chicago up how bad defensively they are. Um, but, um, yeah, that, that performance was, was absolutely just impressive. It, at that point in time, I, I was saying to myself watching that there's no way he's not the MVP. Ultimately, we know who won the MVP, but at that point, I'm like, he's the front runner. There's no way he does not win it this year. That was one of my favorite performances. And, and of course, Steph, Steph is just, I mean, what can you say? 62, five, four, eight, three pointers. I, I really think I, I really think Steph uh, Steph Curry on this list just showed this year showed me that that Steph became virtually unguardable. We know you can shoot threes, but now he can take you off the dribble. Um, he 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 can set you up in in different ways. He can move without the ball. Um, you can't take a you can't take any rest when you guard him on the offensive end because he moves around so much off of screens and, and, and back cuts and he he's he's virtually unguardable. So those are my two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Lucas, before you get in, I'll I'll just go down the list because you mentioned Steph Sheldon. He was number seven on the list. Sixty two, five boards, four assists, eight threes. And he's Steph. We know that. Um Westbrook was number six, his thirty five point twenty one assists, fourteen rebound game. Bradley Beal's 60-point game against Philly back in January is number five on the list. Mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet, number four for dropping 54 on Orlando. Tatum's 60-point game against San Antonio in April is number three. And number two is that guy you mentioned, the MVP, eventually, Nikola Jokic, who had 50 points and 12 dimes with eight boards against Sacramento in February. Uh, yeah, so Lucas, do you think that that order's correct? Which which of those performances is most impressive to you? I it, I don't think the order is correct. And Chris, you know how much I love the big man, but I'm actually gonna have to go with Steph Curry number one, Joel number two, because what Steph did was special. I just I can't ignore that. I really can't. Right. That being said, Joel's number two. His fifty point game is number two. And I think number three should be Beal's game. And the reason why I say that is because all the other teams on this list did not have an elite defense except for when Beal faced it off against the Sixers. Mm. You're right. So Beal's number three on my list because Sacramento, Chicago, San Antonio is okay defensively. I think they're an average team defensively this past year. Orlando wasn't good. Indiana was a wreck. Okay, well, Miami, okay. But they were injured half the year. I can't even use that one, really. Portland was horrendous. So, yeah, I'm going to say Steph won, Joel two, Beal three. And that's a hard one for me to swallow because I I don't know if you how often you listen to our podcast, Sheldon, but I am an avid supporter of the big man back to the basket type thing. I love it. And I love Joel. That's why he's my favorite superstar. That being said, I can't ignore what Steph did against. 
Damian Lillard. That that was just something special that I don't think we'll see very often. And I mean, not to say that we won't, won't see it very often from Joel either, but I mean, I, I just I find it more impressive. I don't know. Yeah, most most definitely. I mean, I mean, it, you we should we should be used to this by now from Steph Curry, but, then, but we're not. Yeah, but we're not. But we're not. <laughs> we're not. I mean, it it it, it, it just. He just defies the logic of, and he just revolutionizing the game with how, with how, with the way he plays. I mean, he's made everyone, he's made every trainer train everyone to shoot threes, even if you can't shoot them. You you mm-hmm. gotta be able to space the floor. He's created a he, brand new game. Just yeah, about. he he has revolutionized basketball probably as much as probably Shaq did. I would say he's impacted basketball as most since Shaq in terms of how the game is played because before Shaq, you didn't, I mean, you had big men, but you didn't have to have like lumbering giants that, that were like 300 plus pounds all the time. You still needed athletic big men, the guy guard guys like Kareem and Hakeem. But then when Shaq came along, he was just so big that you, you couldn't just go with an athletic guy. You had to get somebody big. And that's how guys like Aaron Gray, that's right. I threw out Aaron Gray's name. <laughs> I threw out Aaron Gray, guys like him, guys like Brad Miller, got you know big guys. Yeah. Big. Uh, uh, what, what was the guy from Vancouver? Old, big country. Old. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, his name escapes escapes me. His last name Reeves, though. Yeah, uh, Brian uh, Reeves. Brian yeah. Reeves. Yeah. Guys yeah. like him were able to come to league because Shaq. They needed big bodies to throw at Shaq. Mm-hmm. And then after Shaq left, that's honestly kind of. Two-year window when the three-point shot in Miami was the first team that really embraced having a stretch five with Chris Bosh, but like everybody got to shoot now. And yeah. Steph Curry allows guys like you know six six one six two to have a real shot in the league if they can shoot. So right. I, I mean, so yeah, Steph Curry has really revolutionized the game in that regard. I would say. You're all right. You're all yeah, right. I mean, like Steph's the best player on the list. I love the Joel, but I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Steph's number one. He's if Steph's team was a uh, top five team in the West, he would have got an MVP. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have gave it to him. I would have gave it mm-hmm. to him. He, he, like as just... much as I love Joel, Steph would have gotten it this year if yeah. he had a winning team. Yeah, it was unreal what he was able to do, and you know he's the only he was the only real offensive threat out there for that Warriors team, and. Mm-hmm what he was able to do, you still couldn't stop him. Like, you know what's coming, and you just could not stop it. They threw uh, they threw uh, triangle and two, two, three defenders at a time just to try to slow him down, and it didn't matter. Right. And, right. But I will ask you this, side note, and I know this isn't on the agenda, but I'm, I'm curious. Let's say the Warriors were able to pull off the trade for Ben. Do they want another one? They might want another one without pulling off a trade for Ben. I know, I know. I'm just saying. What do you What do you think, Sheldon? I th- yeah, and you know why? Because no one would care that Ben won't shoot because we gotta con- we have to consider that Steph is on the floor and Clay is coming back next year. So hopefully, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see what happens with his health. But he, you got two snipers on the floor, two of probably the five greatest shooters of all time on the same team. I don't think really we can we don't have to worry about Ben. Ben would be a bigger version of Draymond. Draymond would be traded from that team if Ben. Yeah, yeah Draymond probably would be traded more than more than likely. Um but yeah, I do I would give them a, a, a chance to win another one because if let's just say Ben doesn't want to work on his game. Okay. Steve Kerr will take his strengths and just maximize it to the fullest. Make him set picks, have him dive to the basket, drive, right. let, let him drive, let him kick it out. Right. And 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 Ben would probably be the primary defender on whoever is the best player on the other team. And he that would good. be his assignment. Yeah. And that would be his assignment from the opening of the game to the closing. Since, yeah. since you don't really do anything offensively, you know, you're really inept over here. So, you know what? Let's maximize everything you do great on the defensive end. And mm-hmm. I, I can see them winning it. I can see them winning it because I mean Ben is he's he, he's a menace defensively. <laughs> that that is somebody that I uh, I mean unless you're just a great offensive player, you don't really want to see him 
you don't really want to see him on the schedule because you know what you're getting. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, even if they don't get Ben, they have two lottery picks, James Wiseman, a guy to match salary with max contracts in Wiggins. Like, they, they have some pieces to move around, so there's a pretty decent chance that they pull off something big. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see what happens there. Yeah, for sure. I guess we can go ahead and move on. We can talk a little bit about the Olympics. So, Sheldon, how surprised were you that USA lost the exhibition game against Nigeria? Uh, I was honestly, when I saw it, I, I kind of chuckled because once again, the U.S. still has not learned uh, that you just can't throw together a collection of superstars and just think you're just going to waltz through these international teams. These teams are way better than what they give them credit for. And you can see that by the international talent that's just making waves in the NBA. So you would think that the coaches, the coaching staff um, for the U.S. team would um, would recognize that and have them and have them mentally prepared to play. I don't know if they took a break because it took a break um, because it was an exhibition game and it was playing Nigeria, but the Nigerian key team came out there like this is the this is our one chance to really get y'all and and they came to play. So you know it's, it's almost like the the U.S. team kind of woke up later on like wow they they're they're really out here trying to beat us. So you know when I saw it I, I just chuckled because I'm just like it, it's you can't just walk out there and think you're gonna win because you have some of the best players on the planet. You you gotta these teams are grinders and. Mm-hmm. And the and the NBA has a, a, a African I, I believe I forgot the name of it but an African basketball league that yeah. this area team plays in. So they're not these are not scrubs. We may not know their names, but they're they're not they're not just walkovers. And mm-hmm. the U.S. learned that last night. Yeah, I mean, look at, at the end of the day, it is it's an exhibition. Uh, yeah. I I doubt that U.S. was you know going full speed. Um. So I, I'm I'm in the same boat as you, Sheldon. Like I chuckled, you know. It's good for the Nigerian team. It's a, a cool moment, and it's pretty easy to laugh at Team USA at the moment. But I don't know if it's surprising. It, it would be surprising if this was like actual Olympic competition, and Nigeria mm-hmm. came out and beat them and like eliminated them. Like then I'd be genuinely shocked. Like wow, you know. But yeah, yeah. Since it's just an exhibition game, I I don't think it matters much. I, I will say a lot of these. Team USA guys, you know, have been carrying quite a load during a condensed season in which a lot of people are probably just tired at this point. So they probably don't have the freshest legs of all the uh, Olympic basketball teams right now. And that may be something to monitor as they get into more advanced competition once once that tournament kicks off. But at the end of the day, like, they're probably going to win gold. They, they just have so much more in terms of talent than every other team, even Slovenia with Luca, they don't have Luca. Luca's not playing right now, by the way. Oh, he's not. Okay. Okay. I he's, didn't know. He, he's, he's not playing at the moment. He didn't play against Canada when they eliminated Canada. I know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he played in the trials and I'm sure he'll play once the Olympics start, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of just the one-off thing. I don't think it means anything, but it, mm-hmm. it's a cool moment for sure. Yeah, I, I will say this. Mike Brown is the Nigerian head coach. Mike Brown, formerly head coach of both LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, current assistant on Golden State. Okay. He should get some reconsideration for another head coaching job. I know his L.A. stint did not end well, but he was a solid coach for LeBron. Um, got LeBron to the finals once, helped LeBron get that, that horrendous Cavs team to the finals once. Right, um, really yeah. good defensive coach. Um, I think he deserves another shot, and I think this is just another feather in his cap regarding his resume. Whenever he does go for another job, yeah, you are right about that. Uh, uh, you t- you you took the words right out of my mouth because I was going to say he is very good on the defensive end. He's a very good defensive coach, and uh, and and I didn't like how the LA stint ended. I feel like he yeah. didn't. I feel like he didn't get the chance. Well, really. that was more of that was more of ownership because they, you know it went from it went into the brothers' hands. I forget his name. Um, Jeannie Bruss, 
brother took over basketball operations and he wanted Mike D'Antoni because he was a flashy name and that's why he got kicked out. But yeah, you're right. It didn't end well for him there. Not fairly either. Cause I thought he had a solid thing going, mm-hmm. but yeah, no. So besides Mike Brown, let's switch over to a sixer in the Olympics. And we're talking about Matisse Leibel, who's playing for the Australia boomers right now. Mm-hmm. While Ben is not Matisse is, I guess he did qualify. I remember reading that. We talked about that on the podcast earlier in the season, how he would, he was qualified to play for the Australian team. Right, Chris? Yeah. And so far, he's been playing pretty solid. Um, so let me ask you guys, do you think honestly that and, – and to be clear, in his in the Australian win, in his debut with Boomers, he had 15 points, three of three from the three-point line, four steals, three blocks. Do you guys think that this is – a way for him to improve or do you think it's just international play? Do you think it's not going to really mean anything? What do you guys think? Uh, I think this is a chance for him to improve. I, I would like to see um, Bible uh, add some more tools to the toolbox. Um, um, instead of just being a catch and shoot player, which it seems like he is right now. Um, I want to see, I, I want to see him. I want to see him develop his games where he can start creating his own shot off the dribble. Um, and I hope that this Olympic, this Olympic go round for him will, um, develop that for him. Cause other than that, I mean, he, he, he's turning into a, a better version of Bruce Bowen to me. He's, he's, yeah, I'm, I've always compared him to Tony Allen, but Bruce Bowen is a solid defensive option, you know, comparison as well. Right. Yes. Yes. He, he's, he seems like that to me cause he camps out in the corners and he can hit that corner three with, with, uh, consistency. I want to see it more consistent, but he is, he's, he's pretty much, he's pretty much automatic from the, from the corners and he can really lock down, uh, uh, a team's second or first best, uh, first, uh, offensive threat. And he's awesome. He, he's awesome. I didn't realize how good he was. I already knew how good he was defensively because I watched him in the pack 12, but, um, um, He's even better now, so I'm looking forward to see what this Olympic this Olympic run will do for him. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's it's a very different role that he's playing with Australia than he'll play for the Sixers. I I, I wouldn't put too much stock into it, but he he's a guy who probably needs the reps offensively. Every time you step on a court with other guys is a chance to improve hypothetically. So I definitely think it can and probably will help him. Do I expect some giant leap forward offensively next season? If this relative production continues, probably not. You know, uh, you mentioned him becoming a better like scorer off the dribble. Sheldon, I I'm highly doubtful that we'll ever get to the point where he's like getting to his spots by himself. I, I just don't know if, that's in the cards for him. If it is, that'd be wonderful. And he's going to be one heck of a player, but I, I have my doubts. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, look, I mean, it's cool that, that we have a, a fixture in the Olympics. Um, it would have been cool to see Ben playing with the boomers, but obviously I, I kind of understand him not wanting to do that after what happened in the playoffs. Um, he needs to get that head right. And playing on the Olympics probably would not, it would just put more pressure on him to perform, and he just needs to depressurize right now, I think. Yeah, and like, yeah, look, if he is going to work on quote-unquote skill development, which is what all the reports said, that's stuff that's better done in an empty gym where you can get a lot of reps and the muscle memory down as opposed to being out on the court in a high-paced game where you're going to revert to bad habits. So I understanding him wanting to kind of step away and just be with his – you know, be by himself in the gym for a few months. I, I get that. I think that's fair. It's probably the right thing to do. Yeah. I, some people yeah. have been criticizing him for not playing for the boomers. Like, I mean, get over yourselves. Come on. <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, this side, just side note for you guys. Do you think that this, that um him working on his game is going to give him the confidence that's needed? Because I know he's doing skill development, but it seems like this has been his M.O. probably since high school. You know, I, I sat back one time after the series was over, um, and 
I just wonder how in the world does a guy this talented get away with not shooting a basketball or being offensively um offen- being offensively challenged since literally high school. Well, okay, to okay, to be fair, let's let's think about it. Brett Brown did challenge him a lot. We've seen reports, we heard Brett Brown, it come out of Brett Brown's mouth himself saying, I want you to shoot at least one three pointer a game. Ben said, "Nah, right. so that's that's not that's not on Brett." But remember, and I, did you did you ever see the Stephen A. Uh, Smith video about how he got a text during the middle of first take, yeah, saying yeah, that Ben yeah. has been coddled? Ben, a group chat, yep, yep. So we, um, my my suspicion is that there are people within the organization. My guess, and this is me cl- purely just speculating. This is all speculation here. My suspicion is that probably ownership, somebody in ownership, is coddling Ben, saying, oh, you don't need to do this, you don't need to do that. And he's being enabled by his family. We've seen that his brother is the one that works with him in the offseason, nobody else. Even though guys like uh, former players have offered to work with him, like I can't pronounce his last name. He he, he plays in the big three. Um, it's the guy that didn't stand for the pledge in the 2000s. I can't remember his name off the top oh, of my head. Oh, oh, um, um, Muhammad Abdul Rauf. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. He's offered on on Instagram. Um, I'm sure a guy like Joel's trainer um, would do wonders for him. Drew Hanlon. Yes, he would. Yeah, Drew Hanlon. Yep. Um, outside of Markel Fultz, he's had a lot of good players come out. That's done mm-hmm. better. Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Zach Levine. Um, Joel, obviously. And that, so I think it has nothing to do with what he needs to do on the court. It's what he needs to do in his head. I've said this before. He needs to go see a sports psychologist. He needs to get that right. I think he has the yips. I don't think we're really in a place to say, like, he should go visit a psychologist. We we just don't know him well enough, probably, to. I think we that. saw on the court that he needs to see. A, I'm not saying that he needs to see like a mental, like like a psychiatrist for his personal life. I'm saying for sports. And there's plenty of players that used it. Ron Artest, Kevin Love, Demar Derozan. There's plenty of stars that use sports psychologists, and there's no shame in it. I'm not trying to shame not, him by saying that. Yeah, I'm not saying there's shame, but I I will say like we, that's just a very loaded like. Well, Chris, I mean, man. let's see. He shot 60 percent from the free throw line during the season. During the postseason, after hack of them, I understand where you're coming from. I'm not. I'm, I'm not, I'm not there's obviously some type of mental block there, because there wasn't a huge change in his mechanics. Well, look, the mechanics are garbage. That's yeah, I'm not saying that they're not, but I'm saying that <laughs> like, right. I think I think for him to want, it, I think the first step before he does anything in the court on the court needs to be in his head before, because if he does all these things on the yeah. court, that's awesome, but it's not going to matter because his mindset's still going to be the same. Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. I and that's where I think has to change his 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 mindset. I think Ben is too. You know, you know some some guys are very even keel, and that's where he is. He's very even keel, but it's like I want to see some passion out of him. Where where's the passion? Where is the? Oh my goodness! You you know I can't believe I made this. I missed this shot. Has type. he ever gotten a technical foul for being a you know? For being over the top, I don't ever remember Ben getting a technical foul for being oh, over the top. He's not really, and he's not that type of player, and it's and it's perfectly fine. And it's at fine, but point. at the same time, you know, when do you ever see emotion from him? Right, and that's that's what I'm saying. What, oh, okay, well, we've all seen him like snarl after a dunk. That that's a bit much. He's, okay, it's not like he's never shown emotion. That that is that's honestly that's kind of normal. But I mean, I mean, like, you're gonna have some reaction when you I, dunk. Yeah, I agree, but it's not like he's Tim Duncan, you know. Right? <laughs> Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan, like get, the Game on. of Thrones people got yeah. that. Game of Thrones people got that right with him being one of the the what you call the the White Walkers. They got right. that right. <laughs> Tim showed emotion. Tim went go back to the tape when when 2013 when he missed that tip in that probably would have gave the the um. The Spurs the lead in Game Seven. He couldn't believe he missed that shot. Tim shows passion. He he play, he plays like it. Of course. So I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna put him and Ben in the same category because because Tim shows emotion. Tim, oh. he, 
he's very stoic in 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 how he in how he moves throughout but he he plays with a fire he plays with a fire ben seems like he's just going through the motions and people see that we didn't seen that for five years now at some point you something else got to change something got to change yeah yeah i mean i think with ben i think there are clearly layers to it i think there's the layer that he just ha- clearly hasn't worked hard enough and doesn't maybe hasn't thought that he needed to work harder I think part of it's like an accountability issue, which he has spoken openly about with Jackie McMullen and ESPN in the past. Part of I think he needs is, to get benched because that's what his high high school coach said he did whenever Ben didn't do something. He benched Ben and it made him do it. Yeah, and part of it, I think, is just like wanting to avoid embarrassment by playing outside himself and looking bad. I, I think there are layers to it. And to... But Philly doesn't care if you look bad. They just want you to try. Right. <laughs> Well, I get it, but I—that's that—that is the 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 main ingredient. Just try. Good. That's why we love Allen Iverson. You can shoot fifty times. Just shoot. Don't be afraid. Just shoot. I mean, if now if you're just a brick factory, okay, don't shoot. You know, pass it. We'll tell you. We'll tell you not to shoot, but at least try because we don't know if you can. Right. Right. We. You don't know if you don't know if you don't try. I remember uh, uh, um, Michael Jordan had had that quote that said, you know, I can accept failure. I can't accept not trying. Ben's not even giving himself the chance to fail. Like, you're failing because you're not trying. If and you then the, fail, the, at, least, the, the, at least shoot for the stars. You just and think the, waiting. Yeah. And the times that we do see him try, guess what? He makes shots more often than he misses them. Right. Well, look, so I guess the conundrum. I don't think this is like a three-point problem. I, it's not like... Yeah, well, I'm not even talking about the three-point. Well, I'm not talking about three-point. I'm talking He's about mid-rangers. Throws. He, he, mid-rangers would be a garbage shot for him. That, we don't want him taking mid-rangers. That's but he's making low... more mid-rangers than anything. I mean, he's not, A, and B, that's just a bad shot. It's a statistically dumb shot for him to take, a, like a pull-up contested two. That's just not good basketball from him. So I don't think it's a, even... I think the free throws are the big issue. I think that's where he needs to work most. I mean, agreed, agreed. I'm not saying that. It's aggressiveness. He just needs to attack the basket more. And the reason he's not doing that, frankly, is the free throws. So I think that's what it all really comes down to. So I don't even know if it's a matter of him not trying things even. It's just that he hasn't worked hard on the very basic aspects of his game that need to get better. We need to have your eye. We needed your eye on this podcast. That's right. (laughs) I don't know. Here's the other thing to this too, is that I've seen Ben over the years too many times have mismatches and and refuse to take advantage of it. Yeah, exactly. One thing I've noticed. One thing I've noticed is that they didn't. The Sixers did not make Trey Young work on a defensive end whatsoever in any of those seven games. Ben mm-hmm. Ben had Trey on switches a bunch of times and did not take advantage of it. And to the point where, um, I don't know, y'all, y'all probably saw the clip where the rapper Meek Mill was telling Ben, go at Trey. And yeah. nothing happened. I'm like, this is where I say Nate McMillan outcoached Doc Rivers. When he put Kevin Herter in, diagnosed that he had a mismatch with Seth Curry, and he went after that all game long. Agreed. Kevin Herter is a bad dude. Let me, let me, I've, I've said this before, but let me say it again. Kevin Herter is a bad dude. He doesn't look like a bad dude, but he is a bad dude, man. Yeah. I would love to have him on this team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I watched him in college because I watch a lot of college basketball. I know he, he's good. He is very good. I, but, I didn't even, I, I thought he was just a, oh, he could hit the occasional three. I didn't know that he was as good a defender as he is. I mean, good grief. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he is good. He's good. He's good. I, I've noticed this. I, I'm I'm glad he's in the situation he's in with Atlanta. But you see, but 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 you see what I'm saying. They they diagnosed the mismatches and they went after it. There was mismatches um in this series the mm-hmm. entire time with the Sixers. I, I will say the one wow. thing that I am not happy about Doc with in this series in particular was the fact that we did not see Center Simmons at all. Dwight was not doing anything. No. Center no. Simmons needed to come out, and that's that's the 
that's probably my biggest thing on Doc is that that and starting Danny Green on Trey Young game one, those are the two biggest things that I will hold against Doc. Because mm-hmm. if you bench if you bench Dwight, then you have two starters in at all times, and then the bench rotation gets smaller, and then that that solves a lot of the issues that plague the team when and you went to the that four or five man rotation with bench players. Right, right, and I think that's where um a lot of fans in Philadelphia were calling for Doc's head because because they saw the, nothing, they didn't see him make those in series adjustments and we've seen this before yeah look this is not doc's first rodeo not making in series adjustments and relying too much on players who didn't right. deserve to be relied on like we saw with the clippers we've seen it going back like his entire career like he won a championship 13 years ago and that has bought him a whole lot of slack with people right but like he's <laughs> yeah. been a pretty middling coach for like the past 10 years at some point we got to say like hey maybe he's not cut out unless he just has an overwhelming Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Rondo talent. Well, well, you know, if you trade Ben Simmons for, you know, Damian Lillard, then you have that. Oh, I agree. Like, they can win a championship, but Doc is the head coach. That doesn't mean Doc isn't, like, an active deterrent at times in the playoffs. Because Nate McMillan coached circles around him. It's, It's, like, not even... Up for debate, frankly. I, I think it's fair to say that Monty Williams and Nick McMillan were the two best coaches this postseason. I I don't trust Budenhoser at all. Um, I think Monty and Nate were the two best coaches, and I think the reason why Atlanta's not in the finals is because Trey Young's injury. Let's be clear. Well, Ty Lu kicked butt. Ty, Ty Lu did. I'm not going to deny it. Probably the best coach I think in the playoffs, frankly. Uh, in terms of like adjustments, uh, and guys in position to succeed. Yeah, I, I think I think um I think that's another that's a that's another indictment on Doc Rivers. Yeah, that look, everyone in that take Clippers the locker team. room clearly hated Doc last, by the end of last <laughs> season. They all right. love Ty Lue. It is clear that he has gotten through to them in ways that Doc just did not. So right. uh, it, it it looks bad. You're right, Sheldon. It's like right. It, it's, it's an indictment. Pretty bad Doc. It's an indictment on him because there's no way in the world the same team can come back and be down 0-2 to a team that many thought probably could make a finals run, and they roar off four straight wins and without Kawhi Leonard, but mind you, and 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 put out the top seed in um in 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 the Western Conference. And yeah. was in and was in the series with Phoenix. I mean, a couple uh, a, a couple bounces here and there, that series could have won seven games easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I love Ty Lue. I just, I don't know. I, I, I really I, can appreciate what I don't know. I, I, I do want to shout out. Hold on, sorry. Just, yeah. just one more thing on the Ty Lue Doc Rivers. I, I do want to shout out the piece that Kyle Newbeck wrote over at Philly Voice this morning. Mm-hmm. What did he, made he write? A great point. It's like one thing that Ty does great during the regular season is he tries a whole bunch of crap. He throws everything at the wall during the regular season. The Clippers are throwing out all different sorts of lineup configurations. They're going big. They're going small. They're putting guys in different roles. Philly did the same thing game after game all season. Dwight was the backup center all season. Didn't really budge off for that at all. He used the same rotations in the postseason that he did in the regular season. They don't really have as much room to adjust in Philly because they haven't tried any of that during the regular season. And that's one thing that Ty does really well. And it's one thing that Doc really doesn't do well. Is he well okay, okay, okay. To, to, to be fair to Doc, he probably would have gone to Tony Bradley if Bradley was still on the team. Okay, but Tony Bradley's not that good. And that, that's beside the He's point. He's better than Dwight. <laughs> Maybe, but that's not going to save the series. It, it, the, there were problems well beyond, like, going to Dwight. The rotation shouldn't have been going 10 deep. Tony Bradley should not be playing in the conference semifinals in a seven-game uh, series. I, I agree. I think it's honestly just based off the play, and I knew Danny Green... I think the Danny Green injury is being underlooked here a little bit. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I, I do think that, that... Well, he was still going 10 deep after Danny Green got hurt. It's yeah, yeah, and, yeah, that was a problem. That injury really set them back defensively because they didn't have that extra defender that um that can yeah. that they can they can throw at Trey Young um throughout that series. Um, uh, I, I mean mm-hmm. Ben and Matisse did did as well a job as they could possibly do. Uh, ben did an exceptional job 
Um, but yeah, that that injury really set them back defensively and offensively, honestly. Because I, the- I, I I will say this: the rotation, and not to overstep your point, but because you were you made a good point, but. Borkon should not have been playing. I think, honestly, the rotation, I mean, I don't know who you start instead of Danny, maybe George Hill, but honestly, George Hill looked horrendous this postseason as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I will say that I think the only guys that looked good this postseason coming off the bench consistently was Matisse defensively, Maxi offensively. Yeah, look, Maxi, I'm struggling to find a third guy to be Maxie honest. Maxi Thibel and Hill were the only bench guys who should have been getting any playing time. Shake and Dwight should have never seen the light of day. You you start Furkan because you don't really have any other options. Yeah, but and Cork Moss was like the guys place you can use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, yeah. I I see the reason why Doc did it because they needed the spacing, and this is why this all comes back to <laughs> this is why this all comes back to Ben because. If you don't have this problem offensively, you don't need to make the you don't need to put people in that don't need to be in the game or in this series to create that type of spacing that they needed. And so so it's really you know it's it's it's, it's, it's like twofold. Doc needed Doc probably shouldn't need it to uh probably shouldn't had to um uh, put these a whole bench uh, uh, lineup in because if you have momentum, the last thing you want to do is is take people off the court that that can possibly turn it back into the favor of Atlanta. But a lot of times that happened, so you know it's 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 twofold to me. It's twofold, you know. I think Daryl Morey did mess up, and we talked about it briefly, Chris, on the last pod. Daryl Morey did not use that mid-level exception, and we could have definitely used it this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the one fault that you can throw at Daryl Morey being like, why didn't you do that? Mm. So, but I mean, I I, I think we talked enough about this, but uh, before we get off, Sheldon, is there anything other Sixers-wise that you want to talk before we uh, close out this pod? Uh, Yeah, we have the draft coming up. So, you know, we, we... All that we talked about, where, where do you think the Sixers should go as far as the draft is concerned? Um, I mean, they're picking in the late, the late first round, so you know. But I, uh, but this this draft is very guard heavy. So so who are we looking at um, for the the Sixers to draft uh, in, in in the spot they're in? I think they're in twenty eight, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. who are we? So who are we looking at as as a possible uh, pick for the Sixers? Chris, I'll let you go first. Chris, you know who I want, so you you go with whoever you want. But you know who I want for that pick. Yeah, I mean, you make you make a good point, Sheldon. There there are a lot of guards at the back end of the first round this year. Um, eventually, inevitably, a, a pretty decent guard's going to drop to Philly. You know, guys like Jared Butler, Jaden Springer, Chris Duarte, Miles McBride, who. Spoiler: Lucas is going to talk about um, uh, <laughs> Soon yes. Mu out of Illinois. You know Cam Thomas if he gets that far out of LSU. Guys like that are all worth watching. Quentin Grimes from Houston. Like there are all sorts of names that they should look at. Uh, you know there's some some interesting wing prospects too. Jeremiah Robinson Earl who played down the road at Villanova. Yeah, I like him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know if someone like. Trey Murphy drops that far. I think the Sixers could use like a six nine guy who can shoot. But assuming the best prospects there are, are guards, which is likely to be the case, they're probably going to get another guard. <laughs> um, so I, I think that's what we're looking at. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 and okay. sorry. Uh, let me let me before you continue. Let me just throw out Deuce McBride is my guy. He's from West Virginia. I'm a big West Virginia fan. My dad went there. So he's he's a combo guard, um, can play make a little bit, three level score, really good defensively, long arms, um, can play off the ball. That's why I like him. So anyway, that's it. I'm done with my West Virginia fan fan. <laughs> I really like uh Jared Butler, uh that kid out of out of out of um Baylor. I re- I really like him. I, I do think he has a a, a good feel. For the game, I, I I do believe that he can create, uh, and that's something that I've been high, big on with the Sixers lately. 
shot creators, people that can get their go get their own bucket, and he can do that. So if he falls, I mean, I, I know that he's dealing with a heart condition, and they want to see if um if it's uh um if it's if it's good good for him to keep on to keep on uh, uh continuing his career. But um other than that. I, I like him. I like that. I like Jared Butler, and and I do think he possibly can fall, knowing that he possibly has this heart condition. But if he's still if he's still able to play, I hope the Sixers get him. He he's a good, he's a good sound pro, uh, player, and defensively he's a dog. I love him. Uh, agreed. I think it's uh, but I think it's about time to close out the podcast. Chris, you want to play us out, man? Yeah, I mean. First off, Sheldon, thanks again, man, for for coming on the pod. We really appreciate it. Um, Yeah, go for it. Sorry. (laughs) No, I'm just saying not not a problem. Uh, uh, I enjoyed the conversation. I love talking basketball. So this I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this a lot. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to have you on again in in the future. to, to all our listeners, go check out Sheldon's work at the site. He's, again, done some great stuff about Ben Simmons, who we talked about today, and, and other stuff as well. So just go read his work. It, it'll be worth your time. And to all our listeners, as always, thanks for giving us the time of week to talk Sixers. You can subscribe, listen, leave us a review, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com. And we will be back later this week to break down whatever's next this offseason. So we, we encourage you to keep on tuning in. Uh, so thanks, everyone.